Welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on the show, we are broadcasting at the Grand Hyatt Nashville, Tennessee for agmarket.net's Farming for Profit, Not Price Conference. Jacob Burks with agmarket.net joining us here today. Jacob, good to catch up with you, man. Hope you're doing well. Oh, it's awesome to come see you this time in Nashville, Tennessee. No better place to be. I know, right? You guys uh, get a chance to uh, come to my stopping grounds, and it's a short drive for me, and it's uh, <laughs> it's better than looking at you through a computer screen. Absolutely. So, yeah, you do exist. Really exist. I do really exist. <laughs> I am not computer generated. <laughs> um, hey, you know, great to catch up with you here in person. Let's talk a little bit markets. Um, yeah. Just uh, in general, starting off the week, uh, grain side, pretty quiet, but uh, I know some export sales in corn, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure during this conference, you guys are hearing a lot from attendees just yeah. thinking about acreage for this upcoming growing season. Sure. I know that's going to be one of the big storylines and questions here on top of what's going on in South America and more here in the next couple of months. So yeah, I mean, this is, uh, well, first of all, when you when you go for a, a conference and you're away from the desk and you're away from the phone, it's really nice to see the market's kind of quiet. And so we mm-hmm. kind of cross our fingers and hope that it doesn't uh, take off today or whatever. But, you know, you look overnight, we saw a really quiet, uh, quiet trade. Uh, soybean meal backed off a little bit after it touched $500 uh, a ton again. So that's been a, you know, a, a market that has you know, really uh, got cut everybody's attention, but it's also, you know, made some different changing dynamics right now of, of, of what we're seeing. Uh, so, yeah, you, you talk to these guys here uh, in this conference and, and the biggest questions every time that we uh, that we get together this time of year is, you know, what's going in the ground next year? What kind of rotation changes we see? And, and domestically, uh, you know, what what those acres, uh, what's available to plant? I think, you know, Brian Burke, you'll talk to him later, and he's, he's in there talking right now about, uh, for the last 20 years, we've averaged about 750,000 acres that are just leaving uh, ag- agriculture. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a scary number whenever uh, to make things work, you need to have 180 uh, of the principal crops of the corn and soybeans. Uh, you need to have 100, 180 million acres that uh, to satisfy uh, that demand picture that we've we've created. Well, and you think about losing some of those acres here. I think about South America, Brazil, they're adding them at right. a rapid rate. So it's more of that dynamic worldwide that we continue to see little shifts in or, or big shifts for that matter. That's that's another point that we have to watch as well, Jacob. Man, you know, uh, in, in <laughs> I keep talking about the conference because we see the presentations that these guys are going to do. Uh, but, but Jim's going to talk a lot about what's what's really going on in South America and with the, uh, the, the changing of, the, uh, of, of their political structure, mm-hmm. how they went out and, and aggressively uh, you know, added agriculture for the last two or three years. I mean, in the last two years, they've jumped uh, you know, so much. And now with uh, the President Lulu, uh, his game plan of the reforestation and, and taking, you know, cl- you know, potentially clawing some of those acres back and then just making sure that they're not uh, you know, adding, adding a whole lot more, which from a, deme- from a, a, a you know, soybean position uh, on the global stage, having those, uh, those acres uh, at least stop growing, I think will be a very, very big benefit for us. You mentioned that meal market touching $500 again. That market just has been a just a robust market. Right. It's been crazy to watch that market so on fire, Jacob. You know, and, and, and when you talk about the, the crush and you talk about the soybean oil versus the uh, soybean meal, you know, for, for so long, the oil is just the byproduct, right? Uh, and these dynamics are, are extremely changing uh, because of the crush capacity that's coming on domestically. Without without Argentina having a major weather problem here, uh, you know, obviously we wouldn't see that. That's, that's what's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really skyrocketed this soybean meal uh, price. Uh, but as you go forward, you know, with us having less cattle on feed in, over the next two years, 
Uh, those cattle numbers are going to be down. We are going to increase our crush uh, significantly in 24. You know, the dynamic of what that soybean mill price does, I think it's going to be huge. You know, if next year you assume that Argentina has a, a, a de- decent average crop, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that soybean mill price, you could see one of these see, see, for going from five to three pretty quick. You definitely could. <laughs> definitely could. Let's move over to livestock. Talk uh, what's going on in the protein sector a little bit. Cattle market. You know, I, I spent time at uh, NCBA last week in right. New Orleans. A lot of optimism amongst ranchers. It felt like just with where cattle are at right now obviously the herd small we're gonna have to rebuild this herd but a lot of ranchers feel like they have leverage on the packer now and and still uh, a very bullish sentiment in this cattle market it feels like although we haven't taken off to the upside completely yet it's, it's funny that you talk about the optimism because anybody that still has cattle and survived that time this last drought and still have the uh, didn't have to go into a liquidation mode i'm sure they are very optimistic on the other side of that, there's a, there's a lot of guys that are wanting to start rebuilding that are thinking about what these heifers are going to cost in the spring. I bet they're not that optimistic right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so yeah, but when, you know, with the retention of what they do have, that that number, that that ability for them to uh, name their price uh, is going to be going to be very significant for their bottom dollar for their profitability uh, in the next two years. Uh, you just look at uh, the smallest uh, you know smallest uh, herd beef cattle herd. Uh, that we've seen in what since 41 or whatever uh you know those that that says uh you know uh, for the next uh you know two two to three years you know they're going to have a a a significant leverage on what that packer uh is going to have to pay them the the biggest question everybody talks about it is what is the packer going to be able to sell that for And, and from you know, the last, uh, this last rate hike, it doesn't sound like we're going to stop, uh, you know, raising these, uh, these interest rates. Uh, so I think that keeping that, uh, that retail price uh, it, it, you know, from going higher is what they're going to continue to do. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do it or not. And that's going to be the biggest player of what, you know, what can the packer get on the back end of, uh, of their production. This uh, hog market, different story, and I know we're going to be watching to see if this hog market comes down, the February contract contracts to cash or not here. We assume it will, but that's going to be a big, uh, big area, I think, of focus probably the next couple of weeks ahead in hogs. Absolutely. You know, the, the cash hog position uh, that, that, that we're seeing uh, is really, really scary. And uh, you always have to assume that that's what's going to happen with the uh, – uh, the, the futures price, but you know, I think they really did a good job of building this this herd in this herd up in preparations that that China is going to be that would be, would be buying by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they had came through COVID and they would have needed uh, you know the, the amount of pork that they potentially could need, uh, but that didn't happen. You know, they're they're the way they could, the the way they challenged the uh, the interest rate, uh, their growing economy was the fact that they just went into more of a, a COVID restriction as opposed to raising interest rates. So that really, uh, you know, slowed everything down. And once they came out of, uh, once China came out of the COVID situation, nobody wanted to go out because people were, were getting sick. So the one thing they did was they just changed how they count it. And I, w- I would say that going forward, uh, their hog herd is big enough that I don't see the exports really growing that much into, into China. And, and yeah, the hog, the hog position right now does not look very healthy. Well, a lot of things to watch. We're going to get a lot of information here during the conference today. Jacob Burks with agmarket.net. Appreciate a few minutes of your time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Appreciate it. And that is, again, Jacob Burks with agmarket.net. That's going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today. We'll have more coverage from the agmarket.net conference in Nashville this week here on American Ag Today, as well as coverage from last week's NCBA convention in New Orleans. That and more coming up this week on American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.